0: Todd Furman, you know how much Gators go on your feet? Yeah, I'm not sure what slade got
1: cooked up or what kind of ensemble he's going to put on his body when he goes out to Knoxville this weekend. But uh, for his sake of his reputation and Tennessee football, they better go out there and make a statement, something that they haven't
0: done in this matchup in 16 of the last 17 meetings. Ooh. All right, we need an unemotional breakdown of Tennessee and Florida. Ooh. Tennessee, a 10-and-a-half-point 10 favorite. Your stat and you got Brad... Not since 1976 have, the, have Tennessee been favored, at least 1976, has Tennessee been favored by more than a touchdown. They're a 10-point favorite, 10-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you think about this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, expectations are high. So we'll see exactly uh, what Tennessee is all about. Uh, they passed their first test of the season against Pittsburgh. I don't put a whole lot of stock in dominating performances against Ball State and Akron. I mean, these are the kind of games mm. they need to win to continue to build momentum. And I think when you look at the way Florida has performed, the outlier of their first three games, in my opinion, is the upset win against Utah. This is a team that's a little bit limited in their passing game. Anthony Richardson banged up his knee in the first quarter against Kentucky, and he's been real reluctant to run. Uh, He's one of five quarterbacks or four quarterbacks in the country, yet to throw a touchdown pass, but has four interceptions. And when you're joining the ranks of a starting quarterback at Hawaii, USF, and New Mexico State, that's not exactly elite company. The Bulls ran the football right down Florida's throat. They're a little bit soft in the middle, although I do think Ventral Miller, uh, their talented linebacker and kind of the defensive leader, could be out there to change that. Uh, I'm not working under the assumption that Cedric Tillman will be available for Tennessee in the passing game, but I don't think it's as big a loss now after three games as it would have been coming into the season. When you look at how well Jalen Hyatt played last week, filling into that role, you look at Brew McCoy getting eligible, something we were concerned about coming into the year, And Jabari Small, I saw, was a full participant in practice on Tuesday. So look for him and Jalen Wright to get a lion's share of carries. But the one thing I want to see from the Vols' offense in this game that I didn't see against Pittsburgh is more continuity. You can't have three and outs. You can't let Florida get any momentum. You get a chance to land a knockout blow early, pile it on. I don't think Florida is built to come back if Tennessee builds a multiple-score lead.
0: Which is exactly what Coach Mack said earlier today. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, so you and Payne Insider on Bed the Board Podcast – identified some issues with the Gators even in the win against Utah. Have you seen uh, examples of that uh, further themselves in the the last two games?
1: Yeah, I mean, the reality of it is Florida is a team that's still limited in terms of their overall depth and talent. We knew it was going to be a process for Billy Napier to build his program back. And I think sometimes you can do yourself a disservice when you have that defining win week one against Utah Florida fans worked under the mindset that, hey, look, this team is going to be a dark horse contender in the SEC East. The problem with that is you now have put your best offensive plays on film, and over the last couple of weeks, we saw Kentucky and USF last week, I'll be in a bad scheduling spot for Florida, make some of those adjustments, attack the Gators where they're weak in the middle of the field, and really complicate things for them offensively. You dig into some of the numbers for this Florida team as far as what they haven't been able to do in the passing game, I mean, Anthony Richardson has struggled, we know he can't survey the whole field he's limited as far as weapons are concerned and he threw multiple interceptions for a second straight game when you look at Tennessee uh, one of the questions that I had coming into the year was how they were going to perform defensively I think we've seen them operate well in stretches but when you get into the heart of SEC play it's significantly more challenging than playing against the Mac there is no doubt in my mind that if they can force three and outs early get Florida away from where they want to be trying to create some of that balance and use a physically imposing ground game behind Montreal Johnson, the, the Tennessee can play exceptionally well and really make a statement here. But that 10.5 number, when we get back to the price like always, mm-hmm. you're not stealing anything here laying a number that big. For me, it would be a lay it or don't play it type scenario for Tennessee, uh, but I was hoping that I might be have a chance to lay under 10 in this particular spot if the Vols had their full complement of weapons. Yeah, the,
0: the first number I saw was 7.5, and, and that did not last long. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it opened up a little bit shorter in in the game, and then you see some of the concerns about Florida. Their power rating has been overblown, and here we are now with the number being where yeah. it's at.
0: All right, uh, Clemson at Wake Forest. Clemson a seven-point favorite. Both teams 3-0. and Clemson's won 13 in a row in the series. Wake Forest hasn't beaten a top-10 team. It's 62 consecutive games uh, against top-10 opponents that they have lost. What do you think?
1: Yeah, this is a Clemson team defensively that is going to create all sorts of problems for Wake Forest. Anyone who watched the game last week saw that Wake's offensive line was not equipped to slow down Liberty in the trenches, and it's only going to get that much more difficult. Now, I know Clemson isn't at 100% for this game as far as some of their secondary pieces, so that's a little bit concerning if you give Sam Hartman an opportunity to operate from the pocket. But the slow mesh that's been so successful for Wake Forest isn't a recipe for success against NFL-caliber defensive linemen. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Clemson's offense has shown a little bit of improvement. I still question D.J. Ungelele and their ability to run away and hide there. But I also think by design, we haven't seen Will Shipley be given a full workload. He hasn't carried the ball more than 12 times in any of their first three games. This is where Clemson has to come out and make a statement. It'll be an imposing atmosphere, relatively speaking, at Wake. They're talking about the highest-ranked matchup at truest Field. It'll be a blackout. But I think you can squash the game pretty quickly uh, and be able to take it away from Wake Forest, first them to play from behind, and Clemson can run downhill.
0: Okay. All right, All right, Todd. Now let me ask you this. Um, going back to the SEC, Arkansas um, at Texas A&M. We got a scare last week uh, against Bobby Petrino. Um, a little bit of bad blood there, so – you know, his guys came out and performed. What about A&M this year, this week? Uh, when, you,
1: when you look at AM offensively, I mean, there are some real concerns. Don't be fooled by that 17-9 to final uh, against the Miami Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I mean, A&M still wasn't able to get to 300 yards. Yet again, Jimbo Fisher, overly conservative on early downs, put Max Johnson behind the down and distance way too often. Uh, and as a result, you saw an Aggies team. That really only generated 10 points, in my opinion. They were the beneficiaries of a short field. Defensively, though, I think it's going to be real tough for Arkansas to run the ball, and we'll see what K.J. Jefferson can do in the passing game. I don't have a ton of confidence in what Arkansas can do throwing the football, so if they're made one-dimensional, I think this will play in A&M's hands. And when I look at this number coming down, I made A&M a three-point favor, so as the number continues to move closer to pick them, uh, A&M is the only way for me to look in that spot.
0: Todd Furman, our guy in Vegas at Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast at at Bet the Board Pod. Is that what it is, Todd?
1: Yep, at Bet the Board Pod, best place to get it. And we previewed some of the marquee matchups, uh, obviously, on the schedule. A deep dive of that Tennessee Florida game, amongst others, for this weekend.
0: All right, Baylor and Iowa State, that's Dawn's game. Iowa State favored over the ranked Baylor Bears by three.
1: And we see a move on this game. You saw Iowa State actually open as a slight underdog move to the favorite. This is a Cyclones team that didn't have a lot of fanfare coming into the season, and Hunter Deckers took over for Brock Purdy. They, go, of course, go on the road to Iowa City, dominate that game, only win 10-7, but I think that shows the kind of mental fortitude that this team has. They're not as highly regarded. They don't have the weight of expectations on their shoulders this year. Meanwhile, for Baylor, I need to see more from Blake Shapin, and he's got to build on a performance that I thought was uninspiring, to say the least, throwing the football in their road game in Provo against BYU. Going into Jack Trice Stadium, not nearly as difficult a place to play, in my opinion, as Provo at night. But at the same time, I'm on board with this line move here. I'm not as bullish on the Bears, but this will be Iowa State's first real, true test in conference, and I'm very curious to see what kind of curveballs Matt Campbell can throw at Dave Aranda's defense. Uh, curious about atmosphere and the home, like what? Because we were talking mm. about in the NFL, you know, it's it's probably what like a two point kind of swing. What is it in in this game, like? They came in as the underdog when it opened, does atmosphere, does aims. Searching HVAC near here. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Wow. Nobody local?
0: Huh. Wait, what? We are an HVAC company literally in your neighborhood. Why is she not seeing us?
1: Just all the big chains. Well, it is what it is. What
0: in the... Can you not see See us? us? Nope, they can't see you because you're buried deep in the list of local HVAC providers. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at cumulusboost.com. Factor in.
1: Yeah, it does change some of the dynamic. Of course, when you're playing at 11 o'clock Central Time, it's not nearly as electric (laughs) as it would be on a weeknight under the lights. When a fan base has a chance to get fully lubed up, but at the same time, anytime you're going on the road in conference, it's always going to be a little bit more valuable. The NFL, we talk about home field advantage at this point being worth one to one and a half points or thereabouts. A much different scenario in college football when you have the elite programs on full display. There are some spots in college, for example, up in Corvallis this weekend for USC playing Oregon State, where I'll make a four to four and a half point adjustment for home field, knowing how difficult some of these spots can be. The same thing can be applied to Florida going into Knoxville for their first true road game. It's always difficult with a young team that hasn't done it, hasn't faced that level of adversity, and how they'll respond the first time they get put to the test.
0: So so what do you give Tennessee from a home field perspective?
1: Uh, I give Tennessee four points for this okay. game, and I think that's part of the reason why you see the number north of 10. I'm very curious to see where it'll go once the injuries are fully updated. If Ventral Miller doesn't go to anchor that Florida defense, I think that's as big a loss for Florida's stop unit as losing Cedric Tillman if he's still unavailable for Saturday's game as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So in terms of college football, uh, who gets the the least amount of points for their home field?
1: I mean, if you're going through, you're looking at some of the perennially poor programs that are out there. If you don't have talent, home field isn't going to help you out. And as far as going through the top 130 for me, if I were to give you the bottom teams in the country, I mean, UConn down there for me at 127, UMass 128, New Mexico State, Hawaii, and FIU. I don't think anybody really worries about going in to take on Coach McIntyre and the Florida International Panthers. Mm -hmm. Going from a power rating standpoint right now, they'd be about a 60 point underdog if they took on Georgia. Just
0: random blast at a Nashville guy right there.
1: (laughs) You know, every now and again, there's shrapnel that gets fired in a variety of different directions, and I think that's the byproduct of what it is. I'll give Florida International credit, though, if I want to provide a silver lining. Most teams that had an inferior talent level like they do would try and slow the game down. Florida International is actually trying to push the pace. The problem is when you don't have the players out there to execute, those three and outs take about 37 seconds off the clock, and you just give your opponent that much more fuel to try and run up the score. So poor defense. Out of like the
0: power five, did you once tell me that Florida State has like a weak home field advantage?
1: Yeah, they do, especially when they're struggling. And that's one of the things. Mm-hmm. Doe Campbell can be an electric environment. I think Mike Norvell is headed towards bringing that program back. Yeah. Uh, but when, you, when you're a perennial power and you start to really struggle, it can work against you. And this isn't a shot meant by any stretch of the imagination that I'm sure Slay could speak to a little bit more. New England Stadium has a great home field when things are going well for Tennessee. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw that the game when Lane Kiffin came last year and how difficult a place it was to play. They didn't get the result. But if Tennessee is a team finishing at the bottom of the SEC East, that can actually work as a deterrent more so than anything else to try and get the players motivated, get them focused, that if one bad play leads to two, leads to four, and suddenly it spirals against you because it sounds like a morgue. All
0: right, Raiders at Titans. Uh, Raiders. When I first saw the line late last week, it was a pick Now Raiders by two.
1: Yeah, this is a game, I think, that both teams coming off extremely disappointing performances last weekend for a variety of different reasons. Obviously, the Titans get embarrassed on Monday Night Football against the Bills, a game that started well and didn't exactly finish in the same way with a disastrous third quarter. Meanwhile, the Raiders 20 to nothing at the half, and they blow the largest lead in franchise history uh, as far as margins were concerned at the break. Josh McDaniels apparently has kept players late at practice. I don't think that's sitting well with folks out here. And a pair of 0-2 teams that are extremely desperate. Look, if Tennessee was better on Monday, I would have made a case for the Raiders. uh, But at this point, you're paying a little bit of a premium. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think both of these teams will play with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, I'm just not sure which one is significantly better, especially if the Titans can't run it against the Raiders' defensive front uh, and Derek Carr struggles to distribute the football.
0: Let me hit this. Since there's so many home dogs uh, this this week in um, the NFL, Bill's at Dolphins giving up six.
1: Yeah, interesting game. Uh, obviously, when you only have six undefeated teams left in the league slay and two of them are in the same division, very different results. Uh, Miami, of course, with that impressive comeback victory, mm-hmm. uh, erasing that 21-point deficit over the weekend against the Ravens, Buffalo, workmanlike like performance. Josh Allen has owned the Miami Dolphins during his career. Eight-game winning streak. You look at what the Bills' offense has done, north of 35 points per game. And defensively, I think Buffalo is good. But do I think they're as elite as what we've seen the first two games? Probably not, as Miami will have a lot more speed to operate in space. I think Tua is gaining confidence in Mike McDaniel's offense. And at the same time, this Buffalo injury report will, of course, want to monitor as we get closer to Sunday. But there are a lot of key contributors who are nicked up in some capacity when you go through it. And it's a real question of which guys will be out there versus which ones the Bills might be forced to play without because the secondary was already banged up coming into the year with no Tredavious White, and suddenly we could be talking about a stop unit that didn't have Matt Milano, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Phillips if those guys are unavailable, making things a lot more attractive to back the Dolphins as home underdogs. Is
0: there a game or two, college pro, that we need to know about?
1: Yeah, one game in college I'll give you, um, and we'll go down to New Orleans for this one between Southern Miss and Tulane. I think Mm. Southern Miss is a little bit undervalued, uh, in this particular spot as a 13-point underdog. Tulane, of course, has the upset win last weekend in Manhattan over Kansas State. This game a bigger rivalry than I actually ever realized. Southern Miss optimistic that they'll be able to outnumber some of the Tulane fans that are there. Uh, and as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, it's a lot different when you go from being a double-digit underdog to a double-digit favorite. Tulane has their conference opener with Houston on deck. And I think Southern Miss performed a lot better And the final score indicates against Miami. They took Liberty to four overtimes. Uh, I think this is a one-possession game late, and I really like the direction of the program at Hattiesburg and what Will Hall has done down there.
0: Love it. For uh, detailed breakdown information, Bet the Board podcast, Wednesdays for College Football, Thursdays for the NFL. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. Go Vols, Todd. Always
1: a pleasure, guys. Enjoy the games this weekend.
0: Go Vols, Todd. Thanks,
1: Todd. You got it, Slay. Hey, Slay, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm expecting an undefeated showdown between Alabama and Tennessee in a few weeks. I want my first New experience, to live up to the expectations, since I handpicked that game, as you know,
0: Todd, you better damn well believe it.
1: <laughs> all so, right, I'm like I said, say, I'm holding you accountable, Gators and all.
0: Let's roll. See you, Todd.
1: <laughs> you got to get.
0: All right, at Todd Furman. We'll be right back.